at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Friday, T.I., Golden Circle, Sportsbook, and Bar. John Von Tobel's here. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Friday at a sports bar. Pretty good location, right? ton oh, of sports action yeah. going on right now. Got baseball up there. Watching the uh, end of the first round. Check that. Second round of the Masters. We'll get you an update here on the scores in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we got a radio warning yesterday. That'll yeah. read for you. Uh, talk masters or else you're a douche, apparently. Okay. So before we get to trending at two, what's trending with you, John Von Tobel? Uh, nothing. You know, I actually, I will say that coming down here, it, it was a, a very nice experience to be frantically searching for a parking spot in the parking garage. <laughs> know. You know, it's, like, it's busy today. Uh, this is a different feel outside of maybe the... First round of the tournament? Yeah. But beyond that, you know, we come down and, you know, there's people around the TI, but uh, today you can feel it's a weekend that's going to do some some really good business. Hopefully everyone is safe. Right? Yep. We're asking everyone uh, still in, in Vegas and Nevada, still wear the mask, be safe. Of course. Right? Get your shots. By the way, I think this is a big vaccine weekend so we'll have to uh, for all of us, so we'll get to that that's as well. Point, yeah. tell, the, tell the story about the, uh, the staff jumping in feet first, getting the vaccine. So, yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. Uh, we haven't, I mean, we haven't seen this in months and months and months and months and months. Right. It's actually the time where I don't mind traffic. Like, usually I'd be, like, cursing, like, you motherfucker, you know, and like, all this stuff. Uh, but today, you know, it's, it, it is really cool to see our city start to, you know, pick up a little bit more, especially when we're maybe dependent is not the right term, but we do need these tax, uh, these tourist dollars to come in. It's nice to see people come in and support the city. How did your merge go today? I skipped it. You did? Went a new path. Went down Frank Sinatra Drive, took that down, Sammy Davis Jr., and then went, you know, right there in front of the uh, Galleria and then swung in. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I did not skip my merge, and it was uh, it was busier than oh, ever. It was a night. So That's I, why I, I skipped have a, it. I have a merge 95 onto the 15th South, and uh, I don't know why it hit me for the first time, uh, because it's a, a constant whine and complaint of mine, these HOV lanes. Mm-hmm. It hit me today. I'm like, you know why this is so crowded on these merges? They basically took a lane away on the far left side where people could go racing by. Yeah. Now everyone squeezed to the right. So now we're all in merge hell. Well, I'll keep, you know what, until NDOT hears me, I'm just going to keep harping <laughs> on the worst merge ever yours in is the, the existence worst. of mankind. In front which of is Mandalay Bay. Yours the is Russell the worst. 15 merger. Yep. It's a go north. Yep. It's a nightmare. It is terrible. Just stretch it out to two lanes. Or just, like I said, just break down the cement wall that's right there to the left. Just open it up. Let's go. That's yeah. So that's why I skipped it. Why don't you break it down? I think there was like the smash through it. That's right. I can I can pull some strings. I know some people. Von Tobel's are connected. Sure, Von Tobel Not tools. You got some rich. old tools. Yeah. Um, Four a.m. You're out there with some sort of heavy machinery, just bashing through the wall. But it was one of those where I turned and started heading down the ramp towards it, and I just immediately was like, mm, "No, we're going a different route today." Good thing we're on time and early, because I'm going to try something different. It worked out. It was actually pretty quick. I'm happy for you. Uh, today, not the greatest day for UNLV basketball fans. 
Uh, best player on the team is now in the transfer portal, and he's gone. Uh, Bryce Hamilton, last week, he's going to test the waters of the NBA. Uh, I'm guessing he got a message that, you know, you need to go back and play a little more, refine your skills. Maybe told, you know, a lot of what you do in terms of improving as a player is to be around better players, which I know a lot of UNLV fans are mad right now, but if you don't know the roster of the running Rebels moving forward and you're Bryce Hamilton, you can kind of look at this like, you know, if I'm going to sharpen my skills, I really got to be around better players, and I don't know what UNLV is going to have. And I kind of liken it to, you know, all the years of covering mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. As guys come up, you know, they're, a lot of them are in their small gyms in their hometowns, and some, as their career goes along, they stay in that same gym. And then you start to hear, like, well, you know, they're the biggest badass in the gym. They're not really getting better. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at the time when we're talking, like, you know, 8, 10, 12 years ago, you know, you had great gyms like, uh, you know, John Jones' gym down in uh, Albuquerque. It's not his gym. Um, but, you know, that's a big gym. There's a big gym in San Jose. Obviously, uh, Couture had a, a big gym with a lot of pros in there. And, you know, Bryce Hamilton may be better off going to a place where he's the third or fourth best player on the roster to improve his skills every day. Not just game, but every day. Uh, uh, and potentially make some money. Like, that's the other part about it, too, right? depending on where he lands or where he would go, you're sharpening your skills every day, and you're also potentially making a little bit more. So you're, you're saying get more attention. What do you mean? You're saying making more money. Yeah, like make some money while you're doing it. Well, he's, tr- he's transferring to another school. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I'm sorry. That's completely You thought I was fault. saying that he was going pro, maybe I, I, not I, to the NBA? Yeah, I heard. No, he's going yeah. to transfer to another school. Hey, thought, you know okay, so I thought you, I missed something. Hey, if you, you want to say like, that, okay. if you got something, um, you know, allegations like that are thrown around all the time. No, um, my whole point is, like, if he lands on the the, you, the yeah. Arizona State, USC, UCLA roster, he's going against better players on a daily basis. Unless you right. and hauls in, maybe they've got, you know, four guys coming out of the transfer portal who all average, you know, 12 points a game, and they got, like, 50 points per game coming, some top-notch players. And those guys are out there. I just I mentioned yesterday at the start of the show, or whatever it was, middle of the show, that Bobby Hurley went into the transfer portal because he had lost so many guys, a couple of freshmen to the pros, that he went in and he grabbed three different guys and at their previous stops, pretty good stops, had averaged a combined 53 points a game. Yep. So, But right now, Bryce Hamilton doesn't know what the UNLV roster is going to look like outside of the uh, three and now four guys they've pulled out of the transfer portal. So it's probably the last we've seen of Bryce Hamilton, and we'll have more on Bryce and his career in a little bit. You know, not putting the nail in the coffin yet, but we can talk a little more about uh, Bryce and the roster in a couple of minutes. Okay, so, so I know I'm not crazy, by the way. Which part? About Hamilton, because last week, you know, you mentioned the, the story yeah, today, on the 31st. Oh, you know what I should have pointed out? Yes. Last week, he there was a release from the school. He was testing the waters of the NBA. And that's where I was thinking. Then last night, it came out around 6.30 that he's officially in the transfer portal. Okay. So, right. sorry if I hadn't pointed that out, and you might have missed it, because it was kind of sneaky last night when it came out. and um, you got to really be following, like, at verbal commits on Twitter is unreal. Every day they've got an update of who's in. And one of the great things I like that they do is they will put up um, today's top scorers who are in the transfer portal, you know, today. Yep. Right? These these five guys are in, and Bryce was the number one guy at, like, you know, 18 and a half points a game. And then, like, number four on the – these are the five guys who have the most assists. By the way, uh, Raleigh Wooster, who I think was going to be uh, – You love a, that kid. I freaking – I think he's awesome. Now the question is, can he play at a higher level? We'll see. We'll see where he lands, I would think. He, by the way, he's in the transfer portal. He's the point guard of Utah State. Craig Smith moved on from Utah State. 
So yep. Craig Smith said Utah. Maybe he brings them to the Pac-12. But every day you can you got to follow. And I mean, there's well, especially this 1,300 year. players. <laughs> to say, yeah. And then the 1,300. And then there's guys. You know, guys are coming out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So. It's moving and shaking. All right. And you can still obviously test the NBA waters while still retaining your eligibility. So there's a lot of guys who have this weird status where you have no idea what they're going to do. So glad I'm on the page. So we talked a little Masters yesterday, gave some scores, and we talked about the disappointment of uh, Tiger Woods not being in there and also our difficulty sometimes getting fired up about the beginning of the Masters with its uh, rich history of buffoonery and nonsense and racism and sexism. Uh, Adam Hill and I have a little trouble getting past that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but I really was – boy, I was kind of – Kicked into shape. What just happened? Who missed a putt? Uh, Matsuyama made, it, missed an eagle putt for like by like an inch. I'm guessing you have money on him? 50, uh, 51 to 1, yeah. So that would have right. put him at 6 under and a stroke back uh, by Rose, could, but now he's at 5 under. That could be the stroke, man. Yeah. yeah, yesterday I saw a tweet from our buddy over on Raider Nation Radio, uh, hardcore football talk over on r and 920, and uh, JT was saying, imagine a national sports talk radio show not mentioning the Masters or giving a leaderboard update uh, none of the writers or producers play golf. Wonder what those consultants think of this. Not a mention? Okay. So that's Colin Cowherd's show. Um, my guess is the consultants would probably tell Colin, don't talk golf. Of course they would. Why do you laugh like that? Well, because nobody cares. Like, there's a very select few who would care about golf. And, I, think there's, people... I, think the, I think there's a demo uh, of males 50 to 70, predominantly white, um, that are very much into golf. And very much into what Major League Baseball is still doing, even though it's a bit antiquated. Mm-hmm. And you can play to that audience. I, I don't believe that Colin plays to that audience. Um, I like giving score updates because we're here in Vegas, mm-hmm. and people are betting, and they've got head-to-head. So I think for us it's important. Um, but in terms of you know breaking down what's happening, here, here's the other thing. if As a sports talk host, if you're not into something, why are you going to talk about it and have to fake it? You know, Right. Because then you're going to get dragged for faking it and talking about something you don't know. You're not going to sound very interested. Right. And I would say, too, like when it comes to golf, I mean, maybe in like an update, right? Uh, an anchor person updating it, you know, Ari and his updates could maybe throw it in every once in a while. Uh, but I, I would think from the analysis standpoint, I'm with you. If I'm consuming golf, right, I know where to find it. And more than likely, I'm not listening to that show because the first round is underway and I'm consuming it in some form or fashion already, whether it's, you know, SiriusXM, Golf Channel, listening to play-by-play, whether it's watching it on any of the one streams that you can get to it. I just feel like national radio probably isn't a spot to go to for Masters coverage, you know? I just don't get the sense that Colin Coward is a golf guy. Right. And that's fine. He's that's talking, fine. He's going to talk and, NFL. He's going to talk, you know, draft. That, that's He's going to hit, you know, play the hits. If you cultivate your audience a certain way, they know what to expect from you. So if Colin right. never talks golf, just like Colin really shouldn't be talking college basketball during the tournament very much because he doesn't follow it. He mm-hmm. plays the hits. He plays what I, – and I, I agree with what uh, JT's saying there. The consultants at Fox Sports Radio are very good, and that's who you lean on. Um, and, you know, you can hear it. Colin plays the, the quarterback deal in the NFL. He's going to have a couple of, you know, guys he hits on all the time. He bangs on all the time. Baker Mayfield. There's going to be a lot of Tom Brady. There's going to be a lot of Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm sure he's been told, hey, the NBA is massive. LeBron, 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 you know, just play the hits. Um, also, and I think you mentioned it right at the top, the biggest factor is Tiger Woods isn't playing. That's that's probably why you don't really hear it on a national, like on the national scene. Tiger Woods is the story. Now well, he's but, not playing. But, and, but that's the, you do on different shows do different things. Right. So on satellite, on Mad Dog Radio, uh, Mad Dog Russo, who's you know, in his early 60s, 
he's going to be hitting on mm-hmm. it, right? And I'm sure he – I'm, my guess would be that uh, – and these aren't some vicious allegations. My guess is that uh, Dog has probably been getting money down on the Masters for years, and now that it's sort of local, dog. you can get an account, right, the doggy. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can get an account in New Jersey and bet, you know, from New York. You get creative. You can put down your bets. I'm guessing that he bets. And a lot of those guys at SiriusXM or New York area, yeah. dudes over 50, uh, you know, JT's in that age range. So he's playing to the audience. Much of the, you know, the – the way that station is built, Mad Dog Radio, is to appeal to the 50-plus crowd and the phone call crowd and the golf crowd. So you, you play to who you think your audience is and what you've built out throughout the year. So right now, Justin Rose is seven. He's in. Uh, Harmon, Leishman are six and five. Jordan Spieth is five under. We'll get you mm-hmm. more updates on the scoreboard, some changing odds as the tournament develops, and we'll also find out from Ari what he's doing this weekend. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. So no Tiger Woods in the Masters. Uh, Zalatoris is in second place. Will Zalatoris. Fleischman? Wiedenberger, what's the other guy's name? Uh, so for some people, I don't know, he's in like fifth place. Oh, some okay. I was going to say got Rose, Zalatoris, Harmon, Spieth, Matsuyama are the top. Who's right behind him? Five, at least on this board right here. I thought right behind him was, uh, where's his name here? This is the hard-hitting Masters coverage that yes, exactly. we were looking for. Burned Weisberger. Oh. Bernard Weisberger? I don't know. Weisberger? Weisberger? Okay. Oh, okay. I think it's Weisberger. I'm yes. pulling a Francesa with the... Uh, Louis Oosthuizen. No, if you were to pull a... Louis Oosthuizen. If you were to pull a Francesi, you would go... Mm, mm, <laughs> Just hum for a little bit while you're looking stuff up. Burn. So, I will catch the Masters here and there. Maybe that's blasphemous for a sports talk host to say, but, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have me hooked. Although, you know, Spieth being in there, that's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, we also, we both have sort of busy days tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were all on schedule to get the second shot of the vaccine. Are right, your second shot this weekend or after that? Uh, it is next Tuesday. Oh, wow. Okay. So, like a week from this coming Tuesday? Uh, no, no, no. Like this upcoming Tuesday. Okay. It's like four days or right. something like that. All right. So, Tuesday. Okay. Put you and I both there. tomorrow? Uh, well, I'm going to schedule. I have to go drive really quickly to meet my wife. Tomorrow's the homecoming. i got to meet them halfway and then come back. So, I might schedule it for Sunday or Monday, you know, early. Oh, so. yeah. By the way, if people are listening to this that are from out of state, first of all, they're like, hey, what's the sports talk? Secondly... They're like, wait, well, you're going to schedule it for a day from now? You know how hard it is to get the shot, shots in other states? Pretty hard. Oh, really? It's pretty difficult. Yeah, I've heard some stories Shoot. from friends in the Midwest and the Northeast who are like, hey, you can't get it here like on, a, on two days' notice? Oh, well, I didn't know that because uh, – we're, we're very lucky. Well, we are because I even thanked the lady who gave me my shot, you know, because she was telling me, I think if I remember correctly, she moved here from Colorado for like three months or something to do this. Yeah. And, like, how many workers they had there, what they were doing. Uh, if that is the case, I am even more grateful than when I was when we went down there because at Cashman, at least, the process was incredibly easy. Incredibly easy. Quick, quick, quick. Yep. Like I sheep. might. Just inject those microchips and get them out. I don't want to go hog wild and, and put myself at any risk, like feeling all brave getting the second shot. But I, I think a lot of people are thinking right now, hey, things are opening up. It's going to be a nice weekend. Let me go do something. I was thinking about doing a little karaoke. Hmm. Oh, no. 
Uh, Ari sent over a story. I'm okay with things that make sense or are a necessity. Mike screens question mark. Sorry, Steve. I know you love karaoke, but this is just reckless. Was there something official in the state, Ari? Yes. Uh, according to, let me pull it up, to uh, KTNV, they're going to allow karaoke. That sounds like an absurd idea to me. Is there any, does anyone agree with me as I spit all over the mic, yelling into it to tell you how ridiculous I think that is? Well, here we go. Eternal lockdowner. Uh, what if I'm vaccinated? Okay, let's talk about that when people are vaccinated down the line. Are, are they going to card you at the – you're going to have to show something? At yes, the, the dive bar that we may go to actually <laughs> will be checking the Vax passport at the door. That doesn't exist. Well, look, but, exactly. but they, will, they will be asking for the card. Trust me, the place I'm going to will not be asking for a card. Yes. I'm, I'm just curious, Ari, like, what, what do you want? Like, I am as much in the camp of be safe and be responsible as anybody else. But if I'm vaccinated, if my wife is vaccinated, why can we not go and enjoy karaoke? If I'm vaccinated, my wife is vaccinated, we're not at risk of the person who isn't, and that's their prerogative if they want to go do it. Isn't, I mean, this, what, isn't this what Watkins told us, Justin Watkins, the other day? That's, oh, no. Stymied. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Just I was. A little uh, resistance. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. He thought he was going to throw out his bold statement, like, you people are doing karaoke. You're gross. <laughs> You're right, Ari. We're that's, sorry. What we, John just we, said we, seems to be, I mean, that seems to be the narrative that's that's pushing. So, I mean, like, I, I there's, I, I, can, I can get down with that. I just don't trust that people are actually going to really follow through with that. you got to be mean, 12 feet the, from the singers. <laughs> the second that the word vaccine was even entered into the, you know, like the atmosphere, like everyone was just like, ah, it's over. So, yes, you get me on the eternal lockdown or jokes, but I don't know. This one, I would just I would just like to see it like be kind of handled with kids gloves like this. Right. Is, it's karaoke. That's food for thought. I will think about it tonight and tomorrow and maybe I will change my plans. If not, I will send you pictures and you can judge me and see if we're 12 feet apart and if the occupancy is over 50 percent. Yeah, I was planning to go danger and get my wife on Sunday. Yeah. So and if you're singing is good, of course. And if you're singing is good. That's what I, I don't know about. if I'm going to sing. We'll see. I carry P. Those people are the worst. What? The pro singers? We, yeah, we've talked about this yes. before. But <laughs> it's, it's if rough. you're out there, if you can hear me and you can sing, don't go to a karaoke bar. Screw you. You ruin it for everybody. Uh, the place I'm going to will have uh, there'll they'll be a couple of good singers, but it's mostly kind of wow. junky singers. So I'm, I'm very it's our kind of place. I'm very subconscious about my singing, you know, especially self-conscious, not subconscious, uh, <laughs> self-conscious about my singing. Um, unless, you know, I'm in the persona of whitewash, and then I'm just spitting bars. But I went to a spitting karaoke, bars. karaoke bar one time and like this lady just belted out rolling in the deep. And I, and I, was, oh, I was working Anyone up get, the courage to you, do it. That was the worst part really about it. You're really doing Adele? I was oh, like, working up your I was, I was like, yours? I can do this. I'm like, the lady before yes. that was. She was bad. Like, everybody's like that. And it's just, just like, oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, all right. I'm not doing it. She ruined it. I'm not doing it. Can't follow her up. Nope. <laughs> hey, I've been out at a UNLV practice a couple times so far, and tomorrow I'll be going out there. And, uh, you know, we talked about the quarterbacks the other day, and I wanted to get more on the QB battle from a guy who played quarterback for UNLV. That's Caleb Herring. He's up. We're going to get into the quarterback battle and also talk a little NFL draft and the uh, quarterbacks going into the NFL draft with Caleb Herring. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Friday, we kick things off talking to uh, Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback and uh, one of the voices of UNLV football. Haven't had an extended conversation with Caleb in a while, so we got a little more time today to get into it. And uh, spring practice just opened up, Caleb, so always cool. Tell me as a player what it's like 
going out to spring practice, uh, especially when you're fighting for jobs. And, well, this part you can't really attest to, but uh, after not having spring practice the year before because of coronavirus. I mean, I imagine that's new. That's new for everybody. That's weird, right? That, that has to be weird not having the last year's spring ball to kind of think about and getting ready for this one. But that is a, a bag of worms to unpack. But, no, it, it, normally spring ball is really exciting because, I mean, it really is like the fresh start for everything. I mean, the weather's nice. Everything's, you know, kicking off a new season. Whatever happened last year, you're, you're trying to forget it, trying to put it away, put it to bed. And um, a new opportunity really is what you get. Um, usually in the spring, there's a lot of fresh meat, I guess, if you will say, like new blood to the team and Cameron Friel right now is the, the new guy on the block as a freshman, true freshman coming in. But there's always that kind of new turnaround. And sometimes even the faces that are gone, the graduating seniors that aren't coming back. And that's another thing, I guess, that's different this year because a lot of the seniors are actually back for, for UNLV. So, but that, that usually is kind of exciting because it's a new field. The, the, the guys that have been around for a long time aren't there anymore. There's opportunity for a young guy to now step in and fill those shoes. Um, which is the case with UNLV. There's a lot of guys that are looking to fill some pretty big shoes, and namely the guys at quarterback, really. They're they're trying to fill the shoes of the starting quarterback, which really wasn't decided at all last year. So um, for the first time, Coach Arroyo will have his guy as a starter, which is, I guess, kind of a, an exciting experience for, for the quarterbacks that are involved this spring and trying to compete for that spot. Um, but it, it's always spring ball that brings that out, that that new feeling, kind of like newborn football players are blossoming all over the country uh, during spring ball. And, and it's exciting for UNLV to finally get this spring ball under their belt and underway. As a quarterback trying to win the job, and this really is, a, I think, a, a wide-open job situation. We don't know about Cameron Friel, the freshman from Hawaii yet, but you got the two holdovers in Broomfield, who is a little bit younger than Justin Rogers. But Rogers really hasn't played very much because he's had so many injury issues going back to – TCU, if you were making the run at the starting job and you really want to you know, get the lead in spring, what's the most important thing? What do you establish on the field or off the field? I think the off the field habits have established because I think the best thing you could do to give yourself an edge um, in spring ball in particular is to understand the playbook first. Be the first guy to get it. You know, and that, that, that really makes a difference when you're talking about how well you're able to to complete passes and have a high completion percentage during the practices. If you have a command of the offense, it's very easy to do that. If you have a command of the offense, especially in spring ball, when the defense you're going against is your own defense. And uh, it's a very much watered down version of the final product of the defense. So you, it's really easy to look good on film if you know what you're doing. So that, that, in my opinion, that's the priority. Like get to know the playbook and be a student of the game, like to the 10th degree because that's going to give you the edge. And, and whoever can, I think, get that first and get that understanding of the playbook on film first and grade out well on film first and the most consistently, I think definitely has the edge out of spring ball. Now, now fall is different. When live bullets are flying, it's a whole different feel to the competition. You have to execute on the field. You have to make plays, kind of separate yourself with that wow factor. But in the spring, I think it's all about understanding the playbook and getting a, a firm grasp of the concepts that are being thrown at you in these installation periods. Um, and being able to execute at a high level just, just based off your knowledge of the playbook. I think that's what you do to separate yourself. We're talking football like we love to do with Caleb Herring, the former UNLV quarterback, talking about the quarterback battle with the Rebels in spring, and it's very much a, a wide-open deal because Broomfield and uh, Justin Rogers, you know, they played, but they didn't play a whole lot last year. In the limited looks you got, let's talk about, about each guy. Uh, Rogers, like what does he have to establish in your mind in terms of um, you know, reading the field the ball accuracy. What, what were some of the things you worried about 
last year when you watch him, you're like, he's got to get better at these things. I think the first thing that, that jumped out at me, and after a while I just kind of gathered it was his demeanor, but his urgency, I guess, didn't fit with what I feel the energy of the team was needing to be offensively, or at least what I've seen from a Royals system you know, at Oregon and, and kind of the high pace, not necessarily fast pace, but kind of high pace, urgent style of play that the offense, I think, wants to be geared toward and, and the explosiveness that they want to have. So I, the urgency he had just didn't kind of match. And he's just a cool character. And the more I watch him, I'm like, that's just who he is. He's a cool guy, right? So that kind of faded away. But then the accuracy issues. I, I think there was some issues with his accuracy. And going back to the point about understanding and knowing the playbook, I don't think anybody last season really understood the playbook enough to have a command of it. And it showed, I think, the most with, with Rodgers and, and the way that he was inaccurate. I think some of the throws that he were making weren't just because he couldn't make that throw. It wasn't because uh, he's not an accurate guy. It was just because he wasn't confident. But I would say just what I saw last year, the very limited snaps with him last year were uh, was that his accuracy was a little bit off at times. And I, like I said, it's probably more of not really knowing exactly where he wanted to go with the ball every time uh, than anything. But I, I think that would be something that he has to work on, and I'm sure he is during the spring ball. How about Doug Broomfield? The first thing that popped was the arm. I mean, I mean, a true freshman coming in, he's a wiry kid, long, 6'5", and I, I don't know his weight, but – I would have said under 200 pounds just looking at him uh, last year, but he's uh, that that arm strength was like it popped like crazy, um, and then right on right along with that, the arm strength I think was kind of what he leaned on, and it's funny because I, I said this about him the first time I saw him throw that he's looks like he his issue may be that he trusts his arm a little bit too much, um, not necessarily that he can that he can throw it farther than he can because I think he can throw it a mile if he wants to, but. Just the fact that these tight windows, the, the the throws maybe that the window's closing a little faster than it did in high school, maybe the fact that he knows he has a strong arm will get him in trouble sometimes. And it's very interesting that in spring ball already, the limited spring practice we've had, and, and when he's talked to the press and, and kind of addressed that issue and saying that he, he knows he has a strong arm and he has to kind of tame that thing a little bit. And that's, to me, for a young guy to have that awareness about himself is is awesome. Like, he knows what he needs to work on, whether that's, the coaching, that steer direction, whether it's just his own self-awareness of, of where he is as a young player, either way, it's awesome. It's for the betterment of UNLV as a football program. So you're glad that he understands that and he's doing what he has to do to work on it. But, I mean, the size, obviously, as, you know, he needs to bulk up a little bit to, to be able to withstand and play a full season. He got nicked up last year, even in just the limited snaps that he took. So, obviously, you're going to have to put a little bit of weight on, which I think he has, just looking at him um, on the spring uh, spring ball practice he looks like he's put on some some pretty decent muscle size there so um but yeah taming that arm getting a command of that arm and and then just building his body up to, to be able to withstand a 12 game season i think will be the things for for him to focus on i was out of practice and uh got some of those quotes so uh here's doug broomfield ari fire this specifically my pace on my passes i want to add more pace to my throws and just get more precise with my accuracy um it's just less arm movement just less throwing my arm and more of my full body i, I tend to throw my arm a lot because i feel like i have a pretty strong arm and i can make throws with just arm but that tends to make me overthrow my passes and throw say a five-yard pass at 90 miles per hour it's just unnecessary so i feel like if i just like bring my whole body into the throw it just makes it a better throw overall coach thomas and coach roy have really been focusing on my touch and just my whole throwing motion as a whole just to better up my passes so there you go you nailed a lot of it and uh yeah the the, the uh, kind of joke in there and we saw that on short passes 
Like, dude, you don't have to throw it a billion miles an hour. He's like a 6'5 Michael Vick. You know, they're both lefties. It's like, dial it down a little bit. He's got arm talent, and I like the way he carries himself. Um, Justin Rogers is really interesting because he's so, you know, cool and collected, and you like you get the feel he's a little more mature. He is older. He's been around the block uh, versus Broomfield, who's – uh, much younger and uh, is going to be a freshman this year with a kind of a free freshman year. Here's Rogers talking about the quarterback the competition. I think um, what I learned because I've been in one before at my previous school, um, just being in competition with yourself, um, setting a standard for yourself when you come out here each and every day, and um, just holding yourself to a certain standard. So I try not to worry about um, other QBs or other players. I just try to worry about myself and win the competition with myself daily. Um, just ex- executing the offense. Um, you know, we have our rules and goals and things that we look for. And I think whoever accomplished those, those goals throughout camp, um, throughout the summer, uh, in fall camp, that's why I think will win the job. So um, internally, we have our goals and we have things that we want to accomplish. And whoever does the best job of that, runs the offense, um, you know, leads the, the team in a whole, that's why I think will win the competition. The eyes on you at all times. Um, you know, how you react to coaching, how you react to certain situations in the outside world. I think everybody, everybody's watching, all eyes on you, um, whether you know it or not. So I think off the field, you have to be a leader. Um, on the field, you have to be a leader. I just think it's, it's something that you, it's, it's part of being a quarterback. It's something that, you know, is, like he says, um, Coach Arroyo says, the jersey never comes off. So whether it be on the field, off the field, you always got to, um, you know, be pre- presentable and be a good representation of the school. So at the end there, he talks about you know the off the field behavior and the way you carry yourself to be a leader. And I thought the beginning with Justin Rogers, and again that's one of the two quarterbacks. And, and Cameron Friel, a freshman, is certainly in the mix. He's just getting out there. But Justin Rogers also talking about. I thought it was interesting that he said, "Hey, in the battle, just worry about yourself. Worry about you what you got to do." But that's that's not that easy because all the throwing drills basically are just rotating, and you can see head to head how everyone's doing in terms of getting the ball out there. Yeah, and you know it's it's really one of those intangible traits that you have to be able to have is as a quarterback is to always be able to drown out the noise of everything else that's going on around you, right? And I, I, like you said, one of the you're throwing literally to the guy you're competing with a lot of the times, and you know the, when you're warming up and you're standing right next to him doing these drills, and you see that at practice a lot, they're always together, so you, you're always aware. It's not like you go to some separate field to do your practice and he has a, a separate practice time or something like that. So. Um, it's very hard, but you have to be able to limit the distractions. And that's part of the process is being able to focus in on your job is on that particular day, that particular practice, and then carrying that over in that particular series, in that particular game. You have to be able to tune in whatever your job is, whatever the scheme is, despite the blitz that's coming, despite the crowd noise, despite you know whatever pressure you can put on yourself, you have to be able to tune it out and perform at a high level. And I think having a competition, a healthy competition – helps to to hone in on that skill that that ability to isolate yourself and perform at a high level regardless of what's going on around you so uh, you know I, I can listen to those guys like, I mean both of those guys really you know Rogers and you know and Broomfield present very well you know that quarterback yeah, factor yeah, right yeah, like yeah. they it's it's hard to not say that that's a quarterback talking to you listen to that interview so saying all the right things knowing what to, and part of that probably has to do with having a coach that was a quarterback and who's been around quarterbacks his whole career really so, but it, it's very to me. It's exciting to see and to 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 hear these guys talk about being a quarterback in a way that that really resonates with me as far as what I look for in a quarterback. It, it's it's pretty awesome that they're on the right track right now. Caleb Herring played quarterback for the Rebels. Rebels looking for their next starting quarterback, and who knows, it might be a mix of quarterbacks. But long battle here in the spring with Doug Broomfield and also Justin Rogers and Cameron Field, the true freshman, in the mix 
as well. When you look back on your college career, were you mature beyond your years, or you're like, man, I was immature? Oh man, it was probably both. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like honestly, I, there's a time where I was I was immature. There's no doubt about it. Just my whole outlook on what I was there for, what I needed to do. I mean, there's, and I think everybody has this a little bit when you get your scholarship or when you, you first start playing in college. Just, you, you're there to get to the NFL, right? And that that's all you see. Like I'm good enough right now. All I need is the time, and I'll get there. Somebody's gonna see my film and just be wowed by me, right? I, that was the immature version of me. And then you know, not really understanding how to practice or how to watch film or you know, looking for highlights instead of really watching and, and diagnosing the film. That's probably when I was immature and, and halfway through, you kind of get a wake up call that, whoa, you're not the best thing walking anymore. You know, you got room for improvement and and you should be focused more on, on getting better. And that's when the maturity sets in. I, I Everybody gets their slice of humble pie at some point in their career. And, and I got my fair share, trust me, uh, with my career at UNOV. And and once you come back from that, then I, I felt after that, I was a little bit more, I, I, I don't know if I say mature beyond my years, but I think I was, I reached a level level of, of, of maturity that I think was necessary for my situation. So um, when I look back at it, that made my senior year that much more enjoyable because I was mature enough to really soak in what I was doing. So um, yeah, a mixed bag for sure. But I think we all go through our, our immature spouse. I, I tend to go back sometimes, even now when that, that I'm over 30, I'm, I'm still immature sometimes. I, I find the, the notion of the super seniors very fascinating, and I wonder how it's going to work. Um, you know, it could be guys who come back because they feel like they've got a, a job unfinished and they're not super productive. Um, before you comment on the super senior thing, we, you know, we want to talk about one of the super seniors on the team is one of the best players in Charles Williams, and he's a mature guy, and now he's throwing a whole other factor into the mix. He just had a baby girl about a week ago we talked to him about that out of practice and uh, he kind of gave the standard answers like hey now you know i really got something to fight for i got to take care of my business and i got to try to make it to the next level you know to make a living the super seniors thing is interesting and then i can you imagine at 22 23 years old playing football doing all you got to do going to class and you've got a child you know i've i've seen people do it and i you know i've seen a lot of teammates that you know had small children babies newborns while playing the sport, it's already demanding. I, I mean, people don't, I, don't, I think, realize how demanding a, a, a full-time student athlete schedule is already. Just, you know, just trying to do that. Then you add to it being a dad or a mom at home um, on a very strict budget, mind you. Like this is not like it's not. He's not an NFL player or something with a baby at home after practice. This, you know, this is this is the ramen noodle diet plus a little bit of formula, right? Like this is like so. The, the amount of focus and I think maturity that forces on you is it can it can make or break you, honestly. And I've seen people get broken by it and, and, and where it becomes so much of a distraction that they're just not equipped, whether it be, you know, their, their resources that they have, the family, whether it's babysitter help, things like that, that that now have to play in part. They're just not ready for it. And then I've seen people that completely do a 180 from maybe that immaturity like we talked about to now they're they have responsibilities they have a, a set of priorities where uh, their family life now eats off of what they do and how they perform and and their ability to stay eligible and then like you said with charles williams potentially make it to the next level and charles in knowing him the past few years has always been a very focused guy i remember the first time i spoke with him at a practice and he's asking me picking my brain about getting into journalism and, you know, I, he doesn't know that I don't have, you know, all the, the necessary credentials, right, to, to go the journalist route as far as schooling and things like that. But he's picking my brain just to see what it, it would take to get to that level. 
Um, and, and that was, you know, he's a, a freshman at the time and, and just really trying to soak it up and staying after practice to talk to me. So that kind of drive and focus, I think, will be enhanced by the new role of a father that he has at home. And, and a very every every father knows that there's a, a select chair in the hospital room that turns boys into men like that. There's a chair that you're forced to sit in during the labor process in those first days of, of the child's life that will, will, will make you a man. And, it's, and he become, became a father after sitting on the chair. So uh, congrats to him and, and his, and his, and the mother and, and hopefully things are going well with him and, and hopefully success for him in the future um, in, in the way of a, a good finish to his career and, and, beautiful things and wonderful things in the next level. Yeah, it was very cool being around Charles Williams. He's very fired up. So, Caleb, stick around because we're going to take a break here. On the way back, you just said, hey, you know, turns a boy into a man. That's what the NFL is looking for. Like, college players think they are men. They're not NFL men. And the judgment of the NFL is, is the challenge is, hey, we got to find the guys who are going to make the transition quickly and be pros and not, you know, just crumble under the pressure. I want to talk some prospects, uh, especially one of the hottest names in the draft Man, I'm anti-tight end when it comes to a top 10 pick, but we'll get into Kyle Pitts because it sounds like he is moving up the list. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. We finally got a piece of the pie. It's good times with Mr. Sunshine. Brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Prioritizing people over profits. Rolling on here on this Friday. Caleb Herring is in with us. We had a little more time today to talk football, and there's so much going on. We just got uh, through talking about UNLV spring practice. There are about five practices in, the quarterback battle. Uh, if you missed that, make sure you go up online to our uh, redesigned website, podcast area at lvsportsnetwork.com. So, listen, I've seen too many tight ends over the years uh, go in the top 15, and they just, you know, most of them just, to me, you got to be like a Hall of Famer. you got to be like one of the two or three best guys in the game. Now the position has changed, and there's different types of tight ends now, and I guess Kyle Pitts fits that that Travis Kelsey mold where, you know, could be a solid blocker but really just a mismatch. Can you believe he could go in the top ten, maybe in the top six? I mean, it's it's crazy, right? I, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily worth it, you know, to, unless it's the right team with the right system and the right pieces around him, to go tight end. Now I will say this. Like you said, tight ends have found new value in the NFL. Um, and I, I, I want to say I can go back to the Belichick, uh, Gronkowski, and Hernandez combination at tight end when I really started to see that this, this combination, the way that they use tight ends in that offense, really kind of changed the narrative around what a tight end could do. And you go back to Tony Gonzalez also, like the kind of mold-changing tight ends that we've had. But now the NFL is finally starting to say, hey, these guys are sprouting up left and right. We got these former basketball players, these big but athletic guys sprouting up all over the place. Let's use that to our advantage. And like you said, create mismatches all over the field with, you know, 22 personnel now becomes a formation you could pass out of. Or, you know, uh, 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field has uh, you, you can pass the ball pretty efficiently with that personnel because you have a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller or a Kittle out there able to run routes in space and create mismatch problems. Um, so I do see the value, and I see where teams could say, let's make our offense about that. I don't know if top 10, and I, I'm with you on this, I don't know if top 10 draft pick is is necessarily where I would go with that thinking, where I'd say this tight end is going to make or break my team or my future, at least for the immediate future. Um, but I will say that Kyle Pitts, the momentum behind his name, the momentum behind what he did at Florida and really kind of resurrecting 
the Gators uh, this past year as far as their relevancy on the national stage. Um, that momentum, I think, is helping him as well as he is just a physically gifted specimen. And the, the comparisons are thrown out. He's LeBron James of, of tight ends. And I understand why you would say that. But there's never been a LeBron James in basketball. There's been Kyle Pitts's, I guess. And, and like you said, with Travis Kelsey being the most recent one, he's kind of a freak matchup as far as tight ends, linebackers and safeties go in his own right. But I, I, I'll say that Kyle Pitts almost feels more like a receiver at tight end, like a receiver in a tight end's body. Travis Kelsey feels like a really good tight end, but Pitts just seems like he's just a wide receiver that can also put his hand in the dirt and, and throw a block every now and then. So I, 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 while I see the top 10 hype around him, I don't know if I'm on the, on the bus either. If, if I'm going to jump up and, and take him like, like, like Jerry Jones, I guess is thinking about doing right now. It's Caleb Herring's on the horn with us here. We're at the uh, TI getting ready for a Vegas Golden Knights game tonight. Quarterbacks obviously have become the story of this draft. I never thought that five guys or maybe even six could go in the first round, but it's a league that's quarterback hungry, and the Niners moved up. They're going to take a quarterback. I think that's 99% certain. What are they doing here? Because uh, you know Lynch and Lil Shanny went down, and you know they watched Mac Jones. You can tell me if you're a Mac Jones fan. We've talked about Mac a little bit. They're going to watch Justin Fields again. I keep hearing, like, hey, Jones is Jimmy G-like, and it's perfect for that offense. Don't you draft on upside? Yeah. You don't draft a guy that's like the guy you already got. Right? I mean, I don't I don't think that's necessarily what you do. I think you draft if you're if you're building a team, you draft and I use this word lightly, you draft potential. And I and that's kind of my worry with Trevor Lawrence. I don't think there's a chance that Trevor Lawrence has kind of maxed out his potential because he's been that guy for so long. He's been Trevor Lawrence since, you know, he was in ninth grade, it seems like. But, no, I mean, that that's kind of where you say, where's his room for growth? Has he ever had to struggle? Has he ever had to grow? And I don't think he has, at least in his time at Clemson so far. Um, but, like you said, I, I think with Mac Jones, you can see that there's room to grow with him. And I, I'm very hesitant on guys like him um, for the same reason that I am with any quarterback coming out of Alabama is because the deck, the, the, the deck is stacked in their favor. I mean, it's it's very hard to not succeed as a quarterback at Alabama when you're throwing it to two of the top two receivers drafted the last year. And you're talking about Jared Judy and, um, and obviously Henry Ruggs. Those two guys were the receivers. And any quarterback thrown to those two guys or, you know, the, the Heisman Trophy winning receiver that just graduated from Alabama this year or, you know, that's finishing there. It, I mean, you have those weapons at your disposal. I'm going to grade you on a slight curve, right? So that's Mac Jones' issue to me. And that's not saying he's not capable. He's kind of a throwback style of quarterback as far as not being as mobile as any of the other guys who are being considered in the top six quarterbacks in this draft. Um, but that, that would be my knock on him. The other knock I would have is that I don't think, for the life of me, you know, that anybody should be dismissing Justin Fields as far as where he sits among these top quarterbacks. Beginning of the season, he was number two, maybe number one in somebody's hearts and minds, but he was a clear-cut one or two. Um, one thing for Zach Wilson to, to jump him with BYU and what he did, you obviously had a great season. That's one thing, public opinion, fine. But for him to slide down, and I've seen it in some draft boards, where he's even behind Trey Lance as far as where he's going to go in this draft. And I think Justin Fields would, if he falls to number three, if the Jets now who have given up their pick or, or going or, or going for Zach Wilson, presumably, um, with the number two spot, I think Justin Fields falling to the Niners would be a great pick for the Niners. And I think 
like you said, the upside of Justin Fields is a lot more, in my opinion, than Mac Jones. I think you know kind of what you're getting for Mac Jones, a pocket passer, not really going to be a threat with his legs. And I think with a tight end like Kittle and the play action game that you have um, with the 49ers already kind of built into the system, if you add the dynamic of a running quarterback to that, you can pretty much attack any way you want to any given Sunday. So I, I'm excited by the potential of Justin Fields going to the 49ers. I don't know for sure if that will be the move that they make. And I go based on the fact that Lynch and Shanahan were at Mac Jones's pro day instead of being at Justin Fields pro day. And that's the reason that they're going now to the second pro day because they didn't get a chance to see them for themselves. So uh, I, I would say that would indicate they're leading towards taking Mac Jones, which I don't think makes sense because you get Jimmy G 2.0, in my opinion, with, with that pick. Caleb Herrings, Wilson, Cofield and company. Let's close out with an important discussion on and it has to do with actually getting an education i'm sure you're paying attention you got the college basketball transfer portal there's 1250 players in the portal i'm not against kids moving on i'm not against guys wanting to better their situation if they don't like a coach the coach changes you know you think you can move up a level uh play at a you know higher level of basketball you can move down get more playing time that's all cool but then there's the guys who go in who really aren't coveted. Unfortunately, we saw that with some of the uh, UNLV football players who went into the transfer portal who some still have not found a spot. Uh, others uh, have went down a level, and they're, you know, they're still going to get an education, and I hope that's all paid for it at that next level. But I, I think sometimes kids don't process, like, the scholarship is worth a lot. It really is, and, and an education at a certain school is worth a lot. Continuity at that school is worth a lot. I mean, you turned your education into a career – um, and like you said, at the beginning of your career, you're like, yeah, everyone's going to the NFL. Everyone's not going yeah. to the NFL. So I just – I wonder what you think when you see all these kids going in and then at the end of the line they're like, oh, my God, there's no chairs left. And now maybe I don't even have a scholarship to finish up school. It's troublesome. It's troubling to me, like, to see it at such a high rate. I, I, I do like that the option's there. I do like that, you know, these players are having some sort of say over their future and they're not locked into kind of – the doom, I guess, of riding the bench or whatever that feels like, whatever that looks like, and and however tough that is for them to to take in in these situations. But at the same time, I I think there's a lot of reasons that it's being overused, and I think uh, to me it makes the idea that football is the end game too much of the priority. Like that football is just that important, where you have to do whatever you have to do in order to make sure you're playing football. So that you can get to the NFL because that's all you got, right? And that's that starts when you're a kid, when you know your 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 priorities are pop Warner football and nothing else. Um, and you know, football is your way out, your escape, your your way out of the hood, whatever however you want to say it, like football becomes everything. So when when you get told no, or when you get told not yet, even for your career in football, it's too hard to take and you're you're ready to bail. And I, I don't think that that's everybody. But I think it's enough of the mentality for it to be a problem to me, for it to be concerning. The 1,250 in, in the portal, I, I think that was basketball that you're talking about, but just that many people in a portal, the transfer, there's no way that you can you know, think that you're going to stand out in that crowd along with incoming freshmen. Like, it's just so to me, the fact that people are willing to jeopardize their future um, over the idea that football is everything is the problem. And then I think. You mentioned it too. There's there's networking opportunities outside of football that aren't just football related that are completely missed when you destroy a relationship, pick up and move somewhere else. And you talk about like, you know, the transition of moving your life is one of the most stressful things 
you know, for everybody, just normal people doing that at that level when your life isn't really solidified yet and who you're going to be the next 10 years isn't really there yet. That transition could be detrimental to your future. I think if I had left Las Vegas, there's connections that I didn't even know that I was making uh, at my, during my time as an athlete at UNLV that have benefited me greatly. And I'm not ashamed to say that it's, it's a part of life. That's a part of it being is. a human on this earth, yeah. networking and, and, and finding connections to help benefit you in the long run. That's what you do. If you up and leave at every chance, you're never going to really solidify those bonds. And I, I think it's important. I think that's a, an opportunity that a lot of these players with that football first mentality are really missing out on that on top of, like you said, the, the idea that a, a college education and the lack of debt graduating college um, is overlooked, I think, by some of these guys. So graduating with a degree debt free on scholarship these days. Yeah, you might not get compensated and we have to be real. Compensation should happen, but you might not be compensated. But if you look at some of the your fellow graduates that have to do it the hard way and take out those loans, they'll be paying for the rest of their lives without the possibility of debt forgiveness as, as things currently stand right now in this country, you have to say you have to be grateful for that. And if you come out with that kind of head start in life, consider it a privilege regardless if you finish your football career as a starter and got drafted in New York or wherever the draft is going to be any given year. So I, I think, yeah, the transfer portal has become sort of a scapegoat, scapegoat and it's, it's becoming now a popular problem that I think we're going to have to kind of rein in a little bit maybe. And I don't think it starts with a rule. I think it starts with, with the kids themselves, just kind of prioritizing their own life instead of football a little bit more. That's good. That's real life right there. Good way to end the discussion, uh, Caleb Herring. Not old, <laughs> but sounding like a wise old man because he's been through it and he knows once real life hits, you're like, oh, boy, the football stuff is gone now. Now i got to make a living. <laughs> like, <laughs> Please give me my stipend. <laughs> right. I need a job, and it, it's not easy to get a job. And keep a job, and those connections are, uh, like you said, are worth a whole lot. All right, Caleb, we'll talk to you next week. Really good spot. All right, guys, take care. Have a good one. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.